This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hello and welcome to the Knowles 24-7 YouTube channel. Or if you're listening, welcome to On the Bench. I am your host, Brendan Sinone, joined by my Knowles 24-7 colleagues, Kev Little and Coach A.B. Gentlemen, welcome. I feel welcomed. Good. You did a good job. Me too. Kev, have you made anybody mad yet? (laughs) <laughs> oh, I have made so many people, Matt. The the FSU Twitterverse is uh, putting my head on a stake this week. Um, put out a video basically saying how to beat FSU. Um, kind of a clickbaity title, but uh, it was just looking at the Wake Forest game and kind of their game plan to attack FSU. And uh, people have been attacking me personally. So <laughs> it's good yeah, for you. Really. It's been fun. I'm glad we're bringing it back up and, you know, uh, reiterating things to make people mad at you all over again that's great <laughs> yeah it's good let's I'm get let's get it all out because there's gonna be more how to beat fsu videos that come out just just for people well, why would you provide nick saban <laughs> on oh. anyways all right let's get on to the topic uh of today but before we get into the long-awaited 40 most important players list uh more on that in a second want to give a shout out to the sponsor of the podcast if you're listening to one chattanooga whiskey i'm holding up a founders edition uh, it's their anniversary blend. It's excellent. I got this one last year for their 10th year anniversary. Chattanooga Whiskey just dropped their 11th year uh, one, and it's out at Market Square Liquors. If you're in Tallahassee, it's a really good bottle. Uh, and it just comes out once a year because it's an anniversary blend. Uh, they do a really great job with, with everything, but this is a fun expression of theirs. Also, the Turner Group. want to give Colin Turner of the Turner Group a shout-out as well, our Buyer Sinone sponsor. I don't think we're really doing a Buyer Sinone for this episode because the whole idea of the most important player rundown is basically a, a buyer to know. Um, but yeah, want to give a shout out to our two sponsors. And then finally, I want to give you guys a congratulations because it is basically your one year anniversary of joining Knowles 24 seven. So welcome uh, get, get burn it down <laughs> at the very end of the one year, but uh, year two, here we go. Boom. Mm-hmm. One oh, year man. down, hundred to go. <laughs> so let's get into it. <laughs> Every year we do a countdown of FSU's 40 most important players, not to be confused with top 40 players or best 40 players. This is importance is what we, we put out. And uh, it's out at Knowles 24-7 right now. We're doing a countdown there. We'll be doing accompanying video and audio uh, production as well as the list is released. So today we're going to start off the countdown with numbers 40 through 31. AB, am I blinking enough, by the way? I, I'm trying to remember to blink. You're, you're, you're a great blinker. Don't don't let Zach get in your head already. And Zach's not even here. You're blinking He's perfect for, for back podcast. Back out of your head. For a podcast, you're blinking perfect. Thank you. I have a face for podcast. So we're <laughs> going into 40 through 31. And again, this has been something that we've done since I think 2017 or so. I, I borrowed the idea from our Alabama website, Charlie Potter, shout out. Um, and, and so I've been using it ever since. And I love it as a way to kind of gauge what we know about the team heading into the long part of the offseason. Um, 
go back afterwards and kind of see what you missed, what you hit, what you expected, what didn't turn out the way you thought it would. Uh, and really it's a good way to kind of gauge the whole roster and its totality, weaknesses, strengths, developments, things like that. So you, you guys have partaken in like looking at the list and talking mm -hmm. about it and teasing me about it in the past, mm -hmm. but this year it's going to be a little bit different. We have the entire Knowles 24 seven crew, Sans Brett, who uh, is covering softball and, and, and busy and doing other things right now. Baseball. Uh, put, put, yeah, not baseball. All right. <laughs> uh, uh, and shout out softball. Um, mm -hmm. Although as we're recording this uh, world series has not started yet. So hopefully things are still going well when this actually is produced. Um, but anyways, I digress. So what we're going to get into today is our list. Uh, and you guys have partaken in actually putting together this list with me. Everyone has. Chris Nee, Zach Blostein, Dane Draper, Trey Rowland, and then Coach A.B. and Kev. So we took a composite. Kev, basically, what do we do for the, the grading system here? We just did the averages of all of our top 40s? Yep. Basically, I just put it all in a Google Sheet. And we averaged it. And the lowest average gets the number one spot and so on. And so... Uh, I think today we're going to be going through 40 through 31, but also looking at some of the others who received votes. Mm, outside section. looking in. Yeah. Love it. Love it. Uh, AB, this is your first time. Again, you, you've mm -hmm. teased me about the exercise. Now you've done it mm -hmm. yourself. Uh, what are your thoughts about doing it a little bit? And, and not to look ahead way too much. We're, we're going to reveal this, obviously, as we go along. Mm -hmm. Anyways, from putting together this, this list from your perspective. It's challenging because when you get started on it, it's like, all right, am I just picking the best players? You know, I, I'm ranking something. What am I ranking? All right, I'm ranking most important. Well, first, you kind of got to define that in your own in your own terms. And as a football coach, I look at the most important things for me from a philosophical standpoint. So I look at scoreboard changers. I look at people that can impact scoreboard changers, such as pass rushers, Um defensive linemen and uh, you know defensive tackles of the sort so when i sat down and started doing this list i was like okay well uh, you know obviously can't give away my number one but i think everybody's smart enough to figure out who the hell number one is in the, in the florida state world um, ontario wilson yeah i mean number one <laughs> in my heart at least um you know you but you start i started from there i started from number one and then i just kind of worked my way through and we had a big running list of all the players on the roster and could go through those um, it was, it was challenging once I got past like top 10 and I, I didn't, I thought it would be challenging, but for different reasons, but it was challenging because there's just so much talent now on this roster. It's hard to say that one player really is more important over another. And I just went back to my core philosophies as a coach and what I believed in. And I kind of went from there and people, I'm, I'm, I was a lot different from everybody else. So I'm excited to see the list in whole, what it all looks like, and find out where we all kind of put guys. Kev, what about you? What did you find, uh, one, instructive, and then two, what did you find challenging or what parts of the list were challenging for you? So I think that there's still a lot of question marks on this roster. I think the secondary, you don't know what that rotation is going to look like, how many snaps each one of these guys are going to get. Like, um, for instance, someone who didn't make – the top 40 um kevin knowles i list him i put him in my top 40 because i knew that last year they played him a lot and that likely that they like him and that he will probably get some playing time um but some people didn't and you know it's hard to know whether or not that's the case i think we'll see this pretty cons consistently that across the board our offensive line tends to be very varied 
Um, mm-hmm. We don't know what the starting offensive line is going to look like. We don't know what that rotation is going to look like. They have more bodies to put there than they ever have before. Um, and then one thing that's probably going to stand out as a little odd when we get to my rankings is I tended to give a little bit more weight to people who I felt were high variance players. Um, so, you know, someone who could shine or could falter to me, that's important, right? I, if you're someone who I think could be a top 10 player, but also could be a bottom 30 player, bottom 40 player, depending on the day or depending on how you progress in the off season. Well, that, that makes you more important in my eyes. Cause you're someone that could potentially elevate this team to a next level. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about these people as we get there. Um, or if you're in a position where there's not a lot of depth. So I'm with AB. I tended to try to think of it as like, what are the most important positions? Who are the best players in those positions? But also who are the highest variance players? And who are the players at positions where the backup is a giant mm-hmm. leap down yeah. or a giant question mark? So uh, potentially, you know, like with us, with safeties, you know, like we don't know what we have. So that might give someone a little bit more significance in my rate ranking system. So, so like in baseball wins above replacement war is the metric. And that, that seems kind of like a, um, I think we all probably take a little bit of that and apply that to our own mm-hmm. individual rankings you know, to, to me. Like, I think the biggest thing, the first and foremost, and I'm with you guys, like coach AB mentioned things that he values and, and positional value. Like that's part of in my head, when I put this list together, that's part of it. Uh, Kev with a variance, like I think that's a super important factor in this as well. But my like biggest thing, and I kind of then go from there, is almost as if I was ranking uh, players in, in Madden or or EA Sports uh, NCAA football game uh, NCAA fourteen soon to be NCAA twenty twenty four right or is it twenty twenty five? Be coming out next year. Uh, but regardless, like. I think first off, like there has to be a like baseline of being a good player. So in some ways it's a best list, but then we start mm-hmm. factoring and start tweaking it a little bit with positional value, variance, uh, other things like that. So without further ado, let's get into this guys. Uh, if you guys want to pull up what we have so far before we do our little countdown, like who, who missed out? Maybe that was the most, uh, the most eye catching to you, Kev, you mentioned Kevin Knowles. I think that's a good place to start because he was a starting nickelback all of last year, but he had like 500 snaps. He was injured for the spring. Um, do we think he's going to start at, at nickel this year? If so, then this is kind of an egregious cutoff to, to not have him ranked collectively in the top 40. Uh, and, and honestly, there was a couple guys even ahead of him. Uh, Kevin, Chris and he were the only two to rank him. So he was pretty much unranked by all of us. It's interesting. I would say just my initial thoughts on ranking of Kevin Knowles and why I didn't rank him. One, he missed all of spring. I think that that's to his detriment. Um, and by all accounts, Greedy Vance is a player who had who really seized that opportunity. Um, and they rotated a lot of guys through that nickel spot throughout the spring. But Greedy Vance was kind of the one that, um, I don't want to say seized the moment, but he kind of grabbed it, grabbed the bull by the horns and ran with that opportunity uh, this spring and and had himself a, a good camp. So I think, one, that, that that's one reason why I didn't rank him. And then, two, we're, we're seeing them want to get bigger on the back end. We're mm-hmm. seeing them want to find more prototype bodies um, and be able to 
be more diverse on their back end. And I think that some of that's going to come with size at the nickel spot. And, you know, Kevin Knowles is a player who was recruited at a different time and a different uh, place for this roster. I think it's going to be potentially some of his playing time because he's not the biggest in stature. Um, so I think when you couple those th- two things together, while I think he's going to play a role, I just don't think he's going to play enough of a role for me to rank him in the top 40. Yeah, I mean, I, I would I would agree with you, um, but I would also probably say that I felt like there were times where you had options that made more sense um, during the season last season, and, and yet Kevin Knowles was out there. Um, and so I, I think there's something they like in him, and so I think that's, that's why I, I tended a little bit higher, not because I... More because I, I, I'm, I'm worried about him. Um, I'm worried about like I'm worried about that position as a whole and we're, mm-hmm. what they're going to do with the nickel. And uh, I think he plays a part in that. Being a big question mark, being injured all last year, yeah. and being someone who they're going to be looking to, who has the most snaps on this team, playing that nickel position out of anybody. So um, that's why I put him there. But I, I, I wouldn't fight you on it. <laughs> Like, yeah, I, I'm with you. I, I think that's that's not out of the realm of possibility. So um, let, let's go into, Kevin, I'm going to start with you on this. Let's look at, like, who someone who, like, we'll nominate one person each of someone who missed out, was outside looking in. That kind of was a head scratcher. I don't know if you want to stick with Kevin Knowles or if you want to move on to someone else or just someone who you found interesting the way the voting worked uh, that, that ended up not making the top 40 who should be uh, discussed a little bit here. There's one person that I'm going to talk about later okay, uh, in reference to a different player. Uh, Cause I have a question to you about him uh, being on the outside looking in. Um, or I guess, uh, but to me, let's talk about AZ Thomas. Um, AB was the highest on AZ Thomas, mm-hmm. uh, but he's currently sitting at 44th on our list. So, um, only two people out of seven ranked him. AB was one of them. What do you see in there? I was probably a little aggressive with that ranking, but again, I just look at talent and skill set there. That's a big, long athlete that I think you've got holes at safety. Maybe they're going to fill it, but you, you know, you added a your your walk on long snapper onto scholarship today. I'm not one to count scholarships because they'll figure it all out, but damn it, that doesn't seem like. Uh, a reservation that you're don't have another, you're not going to be pursuing anybody else throughout the summer, but we'll see what happens there anyway. Um, it just feels like that's a guy they got to find a spot for. He's uber talented. He was a, a blue chip prospect coming out of high school that got burned last year was really dynamic early. Then it just kind of all kind of tapered off. I see a new position coach come in here and an opportunity at, at cornerback to play a role. They want to rotate a lot of guys in there. They like to play a ton of DBs. They like to be uh, very versatile on the back end. I just feel like he's a guy that's going to find a role because of his talent and his skill set. And um, I think they'll find a way to get him on the field. And I think he's going to, pre- I think he's going to present value for them um, on that back end. And I, I had him ranked last year going into the season as a true freshman. I think in the in the mid thirty range, like 34, 35. and. He was really great in the spring. He was pretty good in camp, got into real game action as a true freshman, struggled early on, kind of figured things out later in the year. We go to his spring and uh, was kind of forgettable. Like he wasn't bad. He just 
he was probably the fourth or fifth cornerback. So to me, the reason why he's not ranked in the top 40 is goes back to wins above replacement. Like there's just four or so other DBs who I value a little bit more than him right now, but he's a high variance guy too, to Kev's point earlier, that being the thing that's important, like what he can become if he does take a big Mm -hmm. jump forward. And that's certainly there given all the skill sets. Like, yeah, he, he can end up being a game changer for you if he he progresses quickly. So I don't I don't hate putting him in the in the top forty. I, I think he was right there knocking on the door. I, I've got two I want to mention. One I don't really want to get into too much because I get it. The, the position is so deep, and that's Daniel Lyons. I ranked him at thirty six because again I I value pass rushers. I think he's got the potential to be one of the best pass rushers on this roster. Um, it may just not get there this year, but I think he's a guy that's going to impact the quarterback. At times this year, and I value that, so I ranked him at 36. But I get not ranking him because there's just so many guys that you can run through there. But we had an entire we had an entire argument on a roundtable about who led the Darion Williamson fan club. <laughs> I don't even I don't even think that highly of him as a player, and I ranked him 32nd. You're the highest. <laughs> what in the hell? I had him ranked uh, at 40 for me. Kev had him ranked 40 as well. So we both vouched to get him ranked. Dane, uh, true to form of being part of the fan club, had him at 36. Uh, and then the other three did not have him ranked. So uh, I think this is kind of an out of sight, out of mind type of deal. I don't want to speak for uh, my colleagues because us three all had him <laughs> had him ranked. And I'm sure that he was very close for the other guys uh, as well. But you know, he, he was not participating in the spring game as we saw. Uh, you go ahead and you add a guy in Keon Coleman who probably will play the role that Darion was going to to play yeah. primarily this year. And and so I think it just becomes a kind of a numbers game and, again, wins above replacement. Like you went and found his actual replacement, he becomes less valuable. So mm-hmm. the variables of uh, what he can be, of him not necessarily being available, and now you add a stud in Keon Coleman, I, I, I get it. I would put him in there. I had him on my list because of what he can be. Like I don't want to – I don't want him to end up having 500 receiving yards this year and us have not had him uh, on yeah. the list, but yeah, yeah, it is what it is. I think that, that the potential for a really good year still exists if he stays healthy. Can, yeah. can we talk about how Chris Knee ranked Destin Hill but didn't rank Darion Williamson? That, that's a head scratcher. That I feels like a Christy troll job. I'm going to be completely honest. <laughs> <laughs> it was Memorial Day when he put it. To, no, it was today, I guess. I was going to say he's probably yeah, getting two years on Memorial Day, but I, I don't know if that's what ended up happening. I think he did today. Hold uh, <laughs> on a day. Yeah. Uh, the irony was Chris in the back end would be giving Zach and I all this crap for chasing the uh, the Destin Hill saga as, as long as we did. And and lo and behold, he is he's apparently the the – the president of this particular fan club. I feel like that's Chris giving double barrel to the Destin Hill story. All this it's finally <laughs> come to a conclusion. Maybe we'll have to have Chris defend himself on one of these episodes. Um, but yeah, that was, that was gonna be my interesting one. There's not really any others that I find particularly intriguing. Like we don't have Alex Mastromano ranked. Yeah. I mean, he was high on, shouldn't be punting a lot on Trey Jacobs. That was part of it. Yes. Um, Chris was, Chris was, and he's 31. He um, carrying that water for for Dre Jacobs for a while, but again, uh, it you, makes sense with what you had with Keon Coleman. Like, mm-hmm. oh, all right. Well, since we're talking about wide receivers, let's get going on the list, fellas. Number forty, kicking it off, Jakai Juki Douglas. He checks in at forty. <laughs> uh, let's see, Zach had the highest grade for Juki at twenty-seven. Dane also a uh, very high on Jakai Douglas at twenty-eight. Uh, Kev, you had him at 38, and then no one else had him ranked. So really, this is a matter of 
two guys having him ranked really high. Yeah. Uh, kind of propping him up and squeezing him just into the top 40 over Darian Williamson. Some irony there that, that Dane probably undercut his boy there. Uh, mm-hmm. Kev, because you're the only one who had him ranked in this group uh, among us trio. Let's talk about, about uh, Ja'Kai Douglas. I almost said Juki, uh, but not joking that time. I uh, tied myself up. Uh, save me for myself, Kev, please. So uh, I like Douglas a lot. I think um, I'm actually one of, I don't know if anybody else had this, but if you give me a second, um, I had him ranked higher than uh, Winston Wright. And I might be the, no, Zach also had him higher and Dane. So me, Zach and Dane are the only three that had Ja'Kai Douglas higher than Winston Wright. I've seen kind of what I think you're going to get out of Winston Wright this this season. I, I hope he gets a little bit healthier. He gets that last spring back. I, I believe he can, but I I know that Douglas is the kind of receiver that can take a top off the defense, and he's going to get a lot of man matchups on safeties um, with Keon Coleman and you know Johnny Wilson out there. I, he's going to get good matchups. He's going to be on linebackers. He's going to be on safeties. He's going to be a matchup nightmare, and I think he's someone that um, I mean, you saw him even when he was probably the best receiver on the roster two years ago, he still was good for like a 70 yard touchdown every other game. So I, I think it's really going to open up the offense for him. I think he's got big play capabilities and knowing Mike Norvell's passing game, I think he's going to value that more than more than what you're going to get out of a lot of other wide receivers. So there is a void to be filled at slot wide receiver with Micah Pittman transferring out. Uh, are you on team Ja'Kai Douglas or you're on team Winston Wright? Are you on team? Uh, they'll just kind of do a mixture of guys and throw Jaheim Bell in there sometimes and Lawrence to Philly. It's going to be a combination of all that. I think that's kind of what's going to be interesting is how you're going to use that, that slot uh, receiver position. Uh, what Kev's hinting at here is a variety of skill sets of, of what you can can use and someone like Ja'Kai Douglas has that vertical speed whereas Winston Wright who uh, will be up in a little bit uh, we don't know yet if that's going to be a part of his game I would push back a little bit Kev on saying Winston Wright like we, we think we know what he, we have on him like he improved so much from the end of last season in practice where he struggled to get any sort of separation when one-on-ones to where he looked like he belonged at this level uh, during the spring so I talk about high variance like he's someone who if he gets to pre-injury form, like that's another game changer for you. Um, but I digress. I don't want to go too far. And I think I've said I digress three times now, so I'll stop that. I don't want to go too far because we're, I don't want to spoil Winston Wright when we get to him on the countdown. Uh, let's go to number 39 on the list. That's Byron Turner, the boogeyman. Uh, he, he's at 39, our first defensive player, someone who I'm extremely high on. I had him at 39 uh, on my list, which I thought was maybe being a little bit aggressive. Uh, but then comes Trey Roland, have him at 28. <laughs> big time. <laughs> uh, which is a, a big boy score and, and pretty big big difference between the next closest people who are AB at 35, Zach at 36. Um, so, AB, you are the, the president of the fan club as far as the representation here. Yeah. Do your best Trey Roland impersonation here. Uh, why, why are we high on Byron Turner? You can speak for me, too. I, I like Byron a lot as well. Uh, I like Byron. I, I actually, I'm looking at it. And I feel like I was maybe a little too aggressive. Um, oh too late well, now. <laughs> yeah, it is what it is. Uh, you, you know, th- it's just a need. You're going to play four <laughs> defensive ends in a season. And that's really why I kind of put him where I slotted him in, in where I did. Um, they're they're going to need that position. You 
you know what you got with Peyton. You know what you got with uh, Jared Verse. Those are two high-caliber pass rushers. Gilbert Edmond flashed in the spring game, flashed throughout the spring some. You know, he was a productive player at, at USC um, coming over and going to fill that Derek McClendon role potentially. Turner's that that wild card that you're not sure about totally, but he flashed in the spring game with some with, with some really elite get-off. Um, yes, I said the word elite because he was explosive. I mean, he was explosive off the ball, and he, he is another player who can impact the quarterback. Can he do it enough? Can he be consistent? Um, these are all questions he's going to have to answer. But if he can, he's got a he's got a chance to really be a he's got a chance to be what Pat Payton was last year, mm-hmm. um, a guy who steps in maybe at the middle of the season and just kind of takes off and is a big role player for them. Um, but that's a big if. But I think that I'm banking on the fact that I'm Trey obviously is also that he's going to be needed. He's going to be he's going to be asked and called upon to play a number of snaps this year for them, um, and, and be a, an important part of the pass rush. And I think the potential's in there. He just needs to continue to kind of find his kind of his game, find his game, find his consistency. I, I think if you go back and watch some of his clips from special teams on kickoff coverage, I, I point to that a lot. But it is super mm-hmm. impressive. He's yeah. two hundred forty pounds, six foot three. And he flies downfield. Like he's yeah. he's right up there with Brendan Gant and, and Wyatt Rector. YY shout out was 40th last year. Not as egregious as maybe people wanted it to be at the time. Uh, special teams. <laughs> um, but you know, someone who runs a four six forty and and right. Aaron Turner running just as fast as him downfield mm-hmm. and, and more time to develop physically. Uh, that goes yeah. to the burst as you mentioned in the spring. He's a um, specimen. Yep. There's a lot of tools there. I think yeah. this is a matter of um you mentioned need AB. I think that's kind of like, like, yeah. When we're talking about importance, like it is important for him to be someone right. you can rely on yeah. to play 15 to 20 snaps a game. I think that's kind of where my landing. I think is. they're going to be very invested in finding him, getting him to find that part of his game that he can be counted on for those kind of reps yeah. in a game. Um, you know, for him, the, the, the greatest available, the greatest ability is availability though. I mean, he's got to, they've got to find a way to keep him, keep him on the field uh, so mm-hmm. that he can be part of that rotation. Yeah. Shoulder injury is a true freshman that required mm-hmm. surgery when he first arrived to campus nagging hamstring injury last year. He was healthy throughout the spring. And we finally got to yep. see like compounding weeks yep. of practice, what that looks like. Like it, it looked good. Yeah. Uh, Kev, anything to add on, on Byron? Or you want me to move to 38? No, I, I, I see why AB ranked him. I, I, I like AB's ranking on him. Actually. I think, I mean, if you think about it, uh, 22 is your first string across the board. 44 is your second string across the board. Mm-hmm. He's part of your second string, and defensive mm-hmm. end is one of the more important positions. So, I I get putting him in that top 40. That I think that makes sense. Yeah. So let, let's move to 38. Uh, spoiler alert: We just talked about him a minute ago, and that's Winston Wright. Uh, so we have the two slot receivers pretty clumped together. Uh, one of these guys will will prove us to be wrong probably by the end of the year. And one of them will probably be ranked about where they should be. Like someone's going to, to probably pull ahead. I feel like there's some hedge betting by, by Knowles 24 seven. And you look at these two collectively, Ja'Kai Douglas and Winston Wright so close together. Uh, Kev did not have him ranked as, as mentioned earlier, Chris Nee mm-hmm. and Dane did not have Winston Wright ranked. Uh, Trey and Zach had him at 38th each. Uh, and then some parallels here, AB, you and I had him at 30 mm-hmm. each. So we were the two highest on him. 
Uh, I'll throw this to you, AB. I guess what are we thinking at 30? And like, is that even a hedge on your part? Because I felt like it was on mine. Like he could very well be in the, the teens if, if it was going well for him. If if Keon Coleman hadn't chosen to come to Florida State, I think he would probably would have been in the teens for me. Um, I think he's at 30 for me merely because so many targets are going to go to those big bodies on the outside. But I find myself wanting to rank him higher because I feel like between Jaheim Bell, between those two big vertical threats on the outside, the the, the space in the middle of the field has got to open up. And that production's got to go to somebody, and that's somebody's Winston Wright, in my opinion. Um, I think it just makes so much sense. You go back to his time at, at West Virginia and what they did with a lot of that uh, passing game there. And granted, it's different stuff. It's a different system. But he did so much of his damage on crossers. He did so much of his damage on uh, arrow routes out of the backfield and, and uh, you know different choice routes and things like that. I just think – if he is healthy and if he is back to the player who he was, and that's an if, um, he, he's a game changer. He's a dude that can change, light the scoreboard up. Throw in on top of that his ability as a kick returner. Maybe he's your punt returner this year. We'll see. I don't know who, who the heck the punt returner is going to be. That's not something that we've seen him do in college, uh, but he was a dynamic kick returner at West Virginia. Um, yeah, I think the potential is there for, for him to make a major impact. Okay, let's go to 37 here. This is, I think, the first one where we stop at, and I go, hmm, this is interesting. Conrad Hussey, true freshman, uh, safety, position of need. And, and here's one thing that stands out. First off, he's the, the first true freshman on this list. I mm-hmm. think he's the only true freshman to make the list. Mm-hmm. Um, he's not here in the spring. He's enrolling, I think, in the next few days or so. Uh, but as we look at the list – Everyone has him ranked, uh, some in the 30s, uh, one at 40, uh, one here who is on the show right now in the 20s, <laughs> and then one does not have him ranked at all. Uh, so I will start with the, the high man on the totem pole, AB, uh, and I will admit that I'm the one who does not have him ranked, but AB, you're the one who has him at 29, so let's talk about it. Why, why is he a top 30 player for you? I just really value the program that he's coming out of in St. Thomas Aquinas. They they produce high-level football players and guys that are ready to come in and make an impact. And I thought he was one of the better safeties in the country last year um, coming out of high school. So I think he fits this defense as, as far as being able to play coverage and come down in the box and be, and be an impact tackler. They've got to have somebody play the damn position. I mean – I don't have a ton of confidence in Akeem Dent and Shaheem Brown to be able to give you a season's full worth of reps um, back there. First off, they both have battled some injuries and that's a, that's a position where you're going to find yourself dinged up from time to time. So, Hey, I think that you're going to need him um, just simply because of that. Uh, we don't know what other answers there are back there right now. Um, I just think it makes a lot of sense. Maybe maybe twenty nine is a little aggressive, but I thought as you know most important players. This is one of those war um, ideas. I think you're going to need him, and you know his replacement value is going to be higher, in my opinion, than say a uh, um, I don't know uh, an Azari Thomas who I ranked at thirty four, mm-hmm. or a Darion Williamson who I ranked at thirty two, because the guys at the top of that position are are so good already. I think that the, the, the drop-off from um, Akeem Dent and Shaheem Brown down to Conrad Hussey, and then from Conrad Hussey to 
what, um, you know, I think that that's a big problem. So I think he's going to be relied upon. I think he comes from a, a really dynamic and, and uh, awesome um, high school program. And I think that that's why he's going to be able to, he's going to be ready, may not be ready game one, but he's going to be ready at some point in the season to make a big impact. So I, I would feel a lot better about it if I had seen him play yeah, in person. Sure. Um, mm-hmm. and, and that to me is like, from my own comfort level, uh, that that's a a point of contention. But then also, like, how quickly does he pick up the playbook? Uh, can mm-hmm. he play at this level? Like, I, mean, I think yes, like he can, right? Like that's a, a pretty yeah. safe assumption. But how early? And it's an unknown for me. Whereas I ran KJ Kirkland at thirty-seven. Yeah, you were uh, that. That was who I was going to bring up earlier. I did want to touch on KJ Kirkland. You were one of two people that ranked KJ over Conrad. And was, and you were one of the few people that had, and Dane was the other, and then Kev, you had KJ ranked as well. So you did a little hedging with the two true freshman safeties, but uh, we were kind of in the minority with having KJ ranked. Yeah, I with KJ, it's hard. So I think we all agree that, I mean, Hussey was the better pro- prospect, and that's what bears out, that five out of seven of us ranked him higher than KJ, despite the fact that KJ got a full spring with the team. Mm-hmm. Um and part of me hopes for right because KJ looked pretty decent in the spring. If Hussey can come in and be a step ahead of that, um, then you feel a lot better about your your safety rotation. Um, yeah. If if Kirkland would have flashed in the spring game, I may have had a different ranking here. I just didn't feel like he. I didn't feel like there was anything there. Uh, not not long term. Not saying that like he's not going to be a player. Just nothing stood out to me in the spring game. I was like, oh, and, and I get played in the spring game. I can't remember if he was. He wasn't hundred percent. Yeah, he may not. He may not have. And that may be that may be some bias for me because I don't I don't get to attend practices. You guys obviously get to go to all of them. So and we talk about them when we all you know hear things. But um, yeah, I, I don't I don't think your argument is off base. We haven't seen Conrad Huss. He's a true freshman. He's not even on campus yet. I just go back to that high school and how they prepare guys. And we've seen yeah. guys time and time again come out of that program, step onto college campuses, and take off. Um, so I think that I may just have some bias towards what St. Thomas Aquinas has been. And maybe maybe Conrad Hussey isn't that guy, but based on what I've seen of him, people I've talked to about the kid, um, I don't know. I ha- I ha- just have some I just have some confidence that it's going to work out. It's interesting with Connor Hussey, like watching his, I remember watching his huddle film and like athleticism wasn't elite, but quick feet and very like cerebral in coverage and, and spatial awareness. And I think the big, like a big wild card here is if he comes to Florida state and the athleticism projects better than I think it does. And that was kind of the case with KJ Kirkland. Like we knew mm-hmm. he was a good track athlete, but some yeah. like a football speed was faster than I thought it would be. Yeah. And so he's a factor to contribute this year, one, because of need at safety, but two, because he, he looks like he belongs at this level. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if I get to see Conrad Hussey, remember, we're doing this in May. If I get to see him uh, in, in preseason camp and he's he's turning and burning, like then all of a sudden, like, yes, like then then I was way too low on him. And I thought I think he'd be like in the 40s is where I would have him if we were going beyond 40. But alas, I, I do not. Um, I think we all agree that he needs to be ranked maybe 29 is a little aggressive. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with him being ranked. I'm glad that he is uh, yeah. ranked, just not for the conversation here, but in case he does end up uh, end up hitting, I, I like having some some coverage there for us. 
Uh, I've got something for you guys. Let's do a buyer Sinone real quick, sponsored by the Turner Group. Ooh, the Turner yeah, Group. Here we go. Follow them uh, on Instagram. They're a great follow on Instagram. They, they, yeah, he, Colin does a really good job on there. Yeah, uh, he's helping out a lot of uh, – he's helping out FSU uh, parents uh, find some ways to make some money while their kids are in college uh, through home buying. And I uh, don't want to give away a bunch of money to, to renting. No, you want to make money off of people renting from you. And, and so Colin Turner can help you out <laughs> in the Tallahassee market uh, for sure. So uh, buyer Sinone, if – if Quindarius Jones had started the spring at safety, he would be in the top 40 right now rather than quarterback. I don't know if he was a better safety prospect than KJ one to one. Um, he was, he was the best true freshman. I thought from start to end of a preseason camp. I mean, that might be true. I, I don't, I don't think he can cover two way goes well enough to be okay. an impact safety. I thought he had the frame for safety, which is the only reason why I present that idea, because I do wonder if he has some of that to him. I I think he might move to safety eventually. Um, I'm not sold that his highest ceiling is at corner. He's a pretty unconventionally sized corner um, and just how he's built. Uh, But I think he's got a very high ceiling. Um, I think they're keeping him at corner right now just because they don't want to have to throw him into the fire too early. Right. They want to make sure that he has those coverage skills. I don't think there's much of a world where they wanted him contributing much this season because I think they see that the potential and talent there to be special down the road mm. or to, to at least be good down the road. So we buy in or Sinone in it. I'd probably Sinone that. I, I, yeah, I, I think, think I Hussey's going to be the higher, the better prospect either way, mm-hmm. at least for what you need this year out of safety. I think Hugh Jones is going to be fine at corner. I think that's where his home is. Home. Got the, the Mid-Atlantic. Do it. Home. <laughs> <laughs> I'm buying my own question. All right, let's move to number 36 here. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy, here we go. I'm closing my eyes for this one. Kickers are people too, uh, but maybe to some of us here, they're like like borderline gods. Like maybe loves million. special teams. Oh, my God. God awful part ever. My fingers don't work. So Ryan Fitzgerald at 36. Uh, Kev did not have him ranked. I had him at 38. Zach at 40. Trey at 33. Christy at 37. Dane Draper at 39. So a pretty nice smattering for the most part in the core here. And then you have Coach AB with a whopping <laughs> ranking of 13th. Uh, that would put him ahead in importance of, oh, let's see, uh Tatum Bethune, starting linebacker, all ACC caliber linebacker. Maurice Smith is snapping important to you. This uh, isn't this isn't the best player list. This is Trey the Benson, most important list. Bernardo Green, a cornerback. All right, defend yourself here. Uh, kickers <laughs> win games. I mean, you're going to play in. You're going to play in. You know, a potentially tight game against LSU, a potentially tight game against Clemson. Then, if you make it in the playoffs or in the ACC title game, tight games. We saw how kicking changed the math for Mike Norvell last year. Unfortunately, <laughs> Ryan Fitzgerald, but it did seem like he figured some of those issues out. I just, I mean, they win. They 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 put you in positions to go win games. They change the math if they're not good. Um, I just think I do think he figured out some of the issues that he had last year. That he's going to be a little bit better and more consistent than where he was. And ultimately, I just when I looked at that position and, and started looking at him, I was like, uh, and you know, 13 is probably a little stupid, but whatever. I, I like to get a little dumb from time to time. 
um, I just thought to myself, like, you, this is the guy that's probably it's going to be on his leg at some point this year. And if he makes it, it's pretty damn big. So that's why I went aggressive with it. I was, I was go big or go home. But uh, yeah, I mean, ultimately, ultimately I just thought he's got to be up there. He can't be in the forties. Can't be in the thirties. He's got to be up there because of the potential impact that he can have in a late game situation. Well, Kev, the other side of the spectrum is you're not ranking him at all. So uh, there's a lot of nuance and balance uh, on this on the spreadsheet other than my two cohorts right now. So uh, maybe you can explain why you didn't find the need to rank the kicker at all. Because I do think A.B. brings up some good points. Like if you have an average kicker, we're not talking about this. But if you have a subpar one, like the importance of him to get to average becomes uh, the difference between winning games and losses. I mean, he just did the Wake Forest film review and uh, that – change some of the way they they call the game not trusting him so anyways i defer to you here to explain your your decision to not rank him at all um i think we had the advantage of seeing the the backup kicker that they brought in um keltner and honestly i i felt like the difference between the two of them wasn't significant and so if we're talking pure like most important like how much is what is the wins above replacement for any of these players like I think your wins above replacement from like what what's probably like a 60%, 70% field goal kicker to like a six, 60% field goal position kicker is minimal in terms of wins above replacement. And so, um, sure, that's true. I, I, I mean, how many games were, I mean, if on NC average, State, Wake Forest, I mean, he won you lost NC State because you couldn't kick. That's one game, though. That's a pretty big – I mean, in the standpoint of how many opportunities they get to go win or lose games, I think it I – mean, right. But I'm just saying, like, it I don't alters, think he represents – It alters the weights. It alters the scale a little bit. I don't think he represents a significant enough step up from his replacement for me to feel like. So, so if FSU didn't go in and add Tyler Keltner, who who's good in moments this spring, not great, but he's a seventy percent field goal uh, or better between seventy eighty percent for his entire career, three years as a starter. If they didn't go ahead and add that that extra kicker in the off season, then I'm probably pushing twenties. Like I'm not that far with AB. So uh, the the fact that they have someone who I think might actually like, I'm not convinced that Fitzgerald is the guy going into. Yeah, I, w- I wish I could just put kicker there. Kicker not there. Necessarily Ryan Fitzgerald. I wish. <laughs> yeah, I that just changes it. Because whoever it is, I feel like is needs to be up that not yeah. maybe not that high, maybe eighteen to twenty two, somewhere in that range is is probably a better spot for him. But yeah, I, I had Fitzgerald. I think ranked no, I had him unranked last year, and I that was a mistake. Like he should have the way he impacted games. Like he should yeah. have been ranked, um, just because it would have been really important for him to be average, and he wasn't. That lost you multiple games. Yeah, and and as we talk about like what FSU grand scope of like we're about to go from 30 you know we're almost out of the thir- mid 30 range we're about to start moving up a little bit and it starts getting a little bit more to me comforting looking at what you have less variables mm-hmm. less unknowns more known commodities uh and that's big picture this list is a lot of fun because you're not pulling your hair out sorry ab to try <laughs> to get 240 guys at this point like there was there, there were guys in the 30s who could have been easily in the, like the teens um so what I'm saying is that this roster cumulatively has the ability to be very good, 
uh, maybe even playoff level good. I mean, that's the expectation. So as it applies to having a kicker who you can count on, like, yeah, that one or two game sample set, like might make a really big difference a, a missed extra point, a blocked extra point like LSU last year, um, not feeling confident to kick a field goal instead trying to score a touchdown like against NC state last year. Like those are things that can keep you out of the playoffs. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I, I'm fine with him being ranked. I'm glad he is on our list. He probably wouldn't have been ranked if it wasn't for AB's absurdly high ranking. <laughs> so, so it's fine. It all comes out in the wash. That's the beauty of doing this as a, a composite ranking. I'll put so, these rankings on my back. Don't worry. <laughs> you, you've, you've helped us uh, get a few that needed to be on the list. So it, it's been been useful uh, in very much so in that regard. So we go to 35 here. Fellas, this is the first time in the list, like after we got through the first of uh, the first few uh, there is not this extreme variance for me mm-hmm. in my rankings. Like between, mm-hmm. and we're going to go from 35 to 31 here. Uh, for my own personal rankings, I think all these guys were ranked between 36 and 28. So there's not like a huge like discrepancy here. Like mm-hmm. I'm kind of like in tow with the list. Uh, we're going to get into it here. Uh, but like now as we get to this point, did you have any like observations after the first five? I, I very much feel like there's a – jumble of of guys and really it's this 30 to 40 range or 30 to 45 range where you could throw all their names into a into a bag and pull a name out of the hat and and be content with where you're putting them Uh, and and that's not to say that that, that's a bad thing i just there's so much talent really on this roster now that you could just pull a name out and say okay yeah that guy deserves to be on the list like he's going to play a role this year he's a good football player um you know, the whole war thing checks out also like that. That's the biggest thing that jumps out to me is this, this range here. We talked about how improved it was last year. Or I remember you and, and Chris and, and Zach talking about it on OTB last year, last summer, this year, even more so, yeah. I feel like this range has become so much better and so much more talented. Yeah. I mean, really the difference between 35 and 45, comes down to what you like what priority you put like all the 35 to 40 that we just kind of went over like conrad hussey winston wright jakai douglas byron turner we kind of chose more unknown commodities but you could very easily imagine williamson kirkland Knowles, az thomas daniel like it just so happened that the more known quantities kind of got put after the unknown quantities i think that kind of comes down to how we graded it but like realistically i don't think that there's a big difference there well for you kev like in this in this micro range these five coming up here four out of your five you had within rank within 10 of each other uh there was with just one one variable there ab i think you had all of them ranked within 10 of each other Um, i had uh, all of them rank within 10 of each other. So yeah. this isn't going to be as, as flashy, but it's going to be more comforting in a way because you're going to have familiar names, guys who you know what they, they can do as a baseline and then some upside too. Mm-hmm. Uh, let, let's start off at number 35 with linebacker DJ Lundy. Uh, he's someone who has been in the top 40 the last two years, uh, remains in there. He's not really moving around a whole lot. It's always kind of in the mid to late 30s. Uh, but, but listen, he was really good last year, or at least pretty good last year, yeah. I should say. Uh, very serviceable as your third linebacker, as a sub-starter. I think he started a few games for you uh, with, with Tatum Bethune, not 100%. But you bring back Tatum Bethune. You bring back Kalen Deloach. 
Uh, so, you know, DJ Lundy's role is probably going to be the same, but he played at a thinner, uh, lighter weight last year. It paid off. He had a PFF grade in the 70s. That's noteworthy. It means he's getting better. And that's that's important because he's going to play, again, 300 to 500 snaps for you, and he probably projects as your starter in 2024. Uh, I had him ranked at 32. I was the second highest there. Zach had him at 31. Chris Nee at 33. Uh, but every single one of us had him ranked. I think, A.B., you were the lowest at 40. Uh, but we don't have to – I mean, it was between 31 and 40 for him. So we're all kind of right there. Um, let's move it on to number 34. We have Marcus and Douglas, Biscuit. Uh, and there is a little bit more variance here. Uh, this is going to be interesting. Uh, I had him at 28. Uh, or excuse me, I had him at 31. I was looking at the row above. I had him at 31. Uh, but you two had a pretty uh, wide variance there. You were the lowest on him, A.B., at 39. Kev, mm-hmm. you were the highest at 28. So, Kev, I'll start with you since you're you're the clubhouse uh, – the the club president, I don't know, clubhouse leader. There you go. That's what I was trying to get to there. Uh, but you were the club president of Biscuit. Uh, so so why Biscuit in the 30s? And then uh, I'll let you kind of let it, let sure. him know why he's wrong. Gosh, man, it is a back messed up world where I'm having to argue against AB why a tight end is more important than he is. A tight end named Biscuit of all things. Yeah. Too. Oh, man. I think I... A 275-pound tight end who's like a think, third a third uh, tackle out there. I yeah, think there's a part sense. of me that just didn't want to – I don't know. I just thought that that's where the crowd was going. I, I misread the situation. I'm usually very anti-tight end, so I just like don't even know how to read it. Um, we didn't even have tight ends at my high school, so like <laughs> um, I think I'm just like Mike Norvell loves tight ends. Marcus and Douglas – is a blocking tight end. He's really your only true blocking tight end you have. I think they're going to put him in a lot. I personally would bulk him up and put him at tackle, but I'm not Mike Norvell. Mike Norvell loves tight ends. He's going to make sure that like, like Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson are only going to be on the field one, one at a time. Cause we're going to have to put like 17 tight ends on the field. That's how he rolls. Like sit down Keon Preston Daniels got to come in. Oh um, and so I think he's going to see the field a lot. I think he's going to get a lot of run. I think he, you're going to want to run counter behind him. And that's what the, the identity of this team is. And I think that's why I made him more important than I think a lot of people did. I would not be surprised if he was on the field in FSU's first play from scrimmage. Yeah, he started, I, he started four games last year. Go ahead, go ahead, AB. But I, I get all that, and I and I wouldn't be shocked to see them play run a bunch of thirteen personnel this year with uh, three three tight ends on the field at the same time. But I just don't see him making a big impact in the passing game. I mean, I'm not saying he's not going to make some level of an impact, but on the most important players list, I can't in good faith rank the number three tight end higher than thirty nine. I think he's your um, number two tight end. Maybe to start. I don't. I don't know if it'll be that way to finish. Um, we'll we'll see. I, I I'm a biscuit lover. Hey, I love a good biscuit. Okay. I mean, yeah, it's, it's what I'm all about. But I don't know. I just I, I couldn't I couldn't rank him a whole lot higher than where I did just because of the two guys above him. Uh, you know, even if Jaheim, you know, define trying to define that position. I watched the Alex, you know, I attended the Alex Atkins uh, counter clinic talk that he did. And um, I don't know if you both have gotten an opportunity to watch that or not, but, you know, th- they want to be a counter team. They talk about how they do 
how they run counter from a lot of different surfaces and how they utilize the tight ends and all that stuff. And like, I agree, there's going to be a big role for him, but all that's in the running game. Like, I just don't think, I, I just don't consider him to be a scoreboard changer. And that's why I just don't have him a lot higher. And I really can't kind of get behind him being in the twenties. So it's just, it's my feelings on it. I mean, I, I put him higher than I think I, I'll be curious to see what this looks like when we get there. Um, like I've got him higher than Lawrence Tolfili. I've got him higher than Morlock. Oh, hey, look I, at I, I think, I think you. Dane is coming to fight you right now. I think by season's end, he'll have more snaps than Morlock. So Part of this is some fanfare of uh, the like trying to pit Kevin AB against each other. There's really only a discrepancy of nine between between yeah. them, so it's not that big. Uh, ultimately, like I think this is a really safe mm. place for him somewhere in the 30s because his upside is not to be tight end one, but his his downside at worst case is tight end three, which we know will yeah. play a lot, and he probably falls somewhere in between there. Based on Mike Norvell's offense, tight end is important. And he does something different than the other guys. He's not a great blocker, but he has the upside to be a very good one. He's yeah. 275 pounds. Mm-hmm. So, like, his role will be defined. This is um, – whereas the the grouping before this was flashy, high upside with maybe a lower down downside, lower floor, uh, this guy's kind of right in the middle. You know what Biscuit is. Um, nope. It's going to be there. It's going to be – I think it goes – I think it just goes back to put their names in a bag, pull them out, and see where the hell you got them ranked. Like, I – this this whole this whole jumble of players here just all feels like the same guy, mm-hmm. either high upside like could take off and be incredible, or really safe and inconsistent. You know what you got. One thing uh, on the the counter series that Coach Atkins did, I would like to talk to him and some other players about like uh, counter being the identity of its team later mm-hmm. this summer. Here's the here's the headline, guys: counterculture. <laughs> oh my gosh, <laughs> I'm down with that. I haven't been thinking about that for days. Uh, Josh Farmer checks in at number 33, the defensive tackle, Joshua Farmer in Tallahassee. He did not transfer. Uh, that was a fun saga for a few days in the offseason. Thank you for getting us through uh, late April, early May. Um, so Josh Farmer at 33. So there's going to be some fun variants here. I have him at 28, one of the higher players on him. Chris has him at 25. Well, I'm not a player. One of the higher people on him. Chris Nee has him at 25. Dane Draper leading the club there at 24. Trey at 35. Zach at 30. AB, you're at 37, which um, fairly, fairly big discrepancy there with some of the other guys. Mm-hmm. But that pales in comparison to Kev not ranking him at all. Kev, Kev uh, you forgot, didn't you? Are you just holding a grudge from him transferring uh, entering the transfer portal? You forgot. I saw, I saw Josh Farmer in Miami in the same sentence, and he just went off the list. You know, um, <laughs> <laughs> um, I did not forget Josh Farmer. Okay, good. I was gonna. That'd been fun though. Actually, probably would've been better for the content if you just forgot him. I think I just. I think there's a part of me that's just so so confident in what you have in the defensive line, that like. To me, he just wasn't standing out enough when I'm like, I'm going to throw in a Conrad Hussey or, you know, a, a DJ Lundy, people I know that like make a difference, whether they're not, whether or not they're on the roster. Not that Josh Farmer won't make a difference. I think Josh Farmer is a very talented player. I think he's, he's going to be really good for you. Um, I just, I think right now you just have so many numbers on the defensive line that, 
I ended up not putting that many defensive linemen in my list, and he just happened to be one of them that got left off. Um, I mean, it's, let's not pretend like AB is is really too far off for me. He put him at thirty seven. Josh Farmer, he's deflecting. Josh Farmer I, would have been like forty one. I, I think you know, I like, think everybody's a little high on is a little high on him personally. I, yeah, I just don't I see him as an impact pass rusher. I don't think he's a guy that impacts the quarterback the way ranking him at 24 suggests that he will. I, I just, I think everybody thinks he's better than what I do. Um, I, I know he's, he's got a, he's got a ceiling and he's a good football player and he's got the potential, but I think he's a, I think he's a run stopper and not a pass rusher. And I don't value guys that can't impact the quarterback the way some others do. I, I think we still haven't seen what he totally can be as a, pass rusher i think that's still developing i think it was nc state game where he showed a little bit of a flash of it where you see some of that quickness and yes he still has developed more pass rush moves to become an impactful player in that role um but i'm so high on what we've seen so far with growth from him Mm -hmm. and i think if there's one thing that i do with these lists where uh, if you want to knock me on i think it's it's fair i put a lot of stake in what i saw in the spring Mm -hmm. or here the spring because it's the most recent sample set so he was great in the spring he was he's probably the most consistent defensive tackle they had through the 15 practices um so i don't dismiss that now yeah so that that's what i would defend him as the the high man uh in in the josh farmer camp presently i think when i was thinking about it there was i couldn't in good conscience put it put someone that i thought was a third string player in the top 40 and when i when i listed it out i had you know, Fisk, I had Lovett, I had Briggs, uh, I had Daryl Jackson all ahead of him. So that puts him as a third string defense, interior defensive tackle but to me. They, that puts him by over 40. But Sorry, they, that's, the way they're going to use their defensive tackle, like he had 300 snaps last year. You think he's going to take less snaps this year? Maybe. The talent above him is definitely better. All right. Well, that wasn't the argument. I, I was hoping you were going to go somewhere else with that argument rather than maybe. <laughs> I mean, I, I I would not be surprised if he got less snaps this year than he got last year. Mm. I mean, Fisk is in front of him. A healthy Daryl Jackson with a waiver uh, might be in front of him. You, you guys had the opportunity to see him in throughout spring, and he was a very consistent player and the highest. You, know, you, I mean, you said that he was the best defensive tackle. Uh on the roster this spring, um, I watched him in the spring game get owned by Demetri Emanuel. Mm. And that's my lasting impression. It's what I have seen of him at his time at Florida State when he's been on the field. Uh, and that's why I just don't – I don't believe his ceiling is quite as high as, as some others do. So that that is why I, he's going to make an impact. I think he's going to play, and I think he is a good run-stopping defensive player. I think he can be a force in the middle against the run game. I just don't think he's got the pass rush upside for me to rank him a lot higher than than where I did. Right, and it's not a knock on him. I mean, they need guys to play the run. Stopping the run was a big problem for them last year. Like he's going to make a big impact in that regard for them. Um, you know, if Daryl Jackson doesn't get his waiver, he's your number three defense tackle, and he's going to play a big time role. Um, so yeah, he's important. I just. Don't think he doesn't do the things that I I look for in defense tackles. So there's a little bit of bias there for me. I think me and AB were the only ones that listed Briggs higher than Farmer, and I'm sure we'll talk about that more. But yeah, I think Briggs is more of a pass rusher. I think he has has a had a has a better ceiling in that 
area. And I think that's what we saw. Let's move on kind of following the, uh, the trend of, of good spring performance. Let's talk about the guy who was the king of the spring. All hail Kentron <laughs> here, uh, wide receiver. He is at number 32. And, uh, and here's something that's interesting, mm-hmm. uh, I guess, relatively speaking. Uh, we are all pretty close to us three. Uh, Kev has him at 35. I have him at 34. AB at 38. Zach, who was the main proponent of pushing Kentron Portier to number one of the king of the spring rankings, has him at 33. So very close to me. Uh, but then we get in, into the, the 20s here with Trey at 27, Dane Draper at 27, and Chris Nee at 24, uh, which is essentially like a starter, right? They're close to it if you get mm-hmm. in the range that Chris has them. Um, so unfortunately we can't have a debate with, with us three, cause we all have them ranked fairly much the same. I, I do think it, it speaks to what we think Kentron can be with this upside that we have him ranked even at this range, given the addition of Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson coming yeah. back. Those are two big body wide receivers who do a lot of what Kentron is expected to do. The fact that we still think he can be good given off of, you know, what he came off of last year, which was a 200 plus receiving yard season, really good spring, uh, AB, you're shaking your head adamantly. You're nodding adamantly. Yeah. So, yeah, what the fact he's why? on this list, the fact he's on this list, list speaks volumes to what we think of him as a mm-hmm. player, in my opinion. Um, what he can be, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know. I mean, we, I think that suggests that we all think that he's going to play a big role for them still and that he can be really good in that role, um, better than what he was last year, where he made some fantastic catches and made an impact. Um, I, I just I can't in good faith rank the number three, number four. You know where where is he going to slot in? The interesting question to me, and I'll throw this to you, Brendan. If Keon Coleman doesn't sign with Florida or doesn't choose to enroll at Florida State, mm-hmm. where's Kentron on your list then? A little bit higher, but not a ton because Johnny Wilson and, and Kentron play the same position. They both yeah. play the nine. Darion Williamson is higher. I think that he moves up quite a bit um, and they're probably neck and neck uh, for, for what I would project them to be um, in terms of importance. So yeah, the, the Keon Coleman, I think that addition kind of suppresses, or I don't, I don't think it suppresses the way I view him. I know it, it suppresses the way I view Kentron mm-hmm. Portier. And it's again, a testament to what he can become uh, his skill set currently, what it is and, and where it's going um, that he's even in this conversation, yeah. but, but like there. There's a I can envision a time where they want to play basketball on the gridiron and play those three wide receivers at once. Like that that could happen. They could find a matchup or a week where they like to do that and try mm-hmm. that out and see what yeah. it looks like. Like he has the potential to be an impact player for you. So impactful equals important to me. Yeah. Um, last one here, guys. We're at 31. We're gonna wrap up this episode. Uh <laughs> with with someone who I mean, this is funny to me. So we have him at 31. Mm-hmm. Uh and Based on just the, the the group of us in Tallahassee who are at practice consistently, all speak really highly of this guy. And this is Rodney Hill, a redshirt freshman running back. was was very good in limited opportunities last year. Metrics really point to him being someone with high upside. It, it kind of uh, matches what we see <laughs> during during the week of practices. Uh, but what's funny is uh, myself and Chris Nee, I, I think would maybe be the two biggest advocates of his, uh, or at least right up there. And we're the two lowest on him. I have him at 36. Chris has him at 38. Uh, the high-end guys are Trey at 24, Dane Draper at 25, Kev's not too far behind at 27, AB, you're at 31, Zach's at 35. So kind of an interesting smattering all across the board there. Mm-hmm. 
Um, I, I guess I'll throw this to you, Kev, given that you have the highest of this group. Like, there's not not to spoil it too much. But there's not a huge discrepancy between him and Trey Benson, technically. Yeah, I think they're both really good running backs. Um, I think that Norvell's going to use two running backs, like two traditional running backs, mm-hmm. just like he has every year before this. I don't think that he's going to lean so heavily on Trey Benson that he gets just a ton more snaps and a ton more reps than Rodney Hill will. And I think there's a chance that uh, they complement each other. And um, so I, I think importance wise, they're, I think Trey's the better running back. Trey's the more proven running back, but Rodney Hill's someone that's going to get a lot of reps, get a lot of run and um, be important to this offense. So that's why I went with him decently high. AB, a, he's your your number two running back. He's not even your number three ranked running back. Not to get to yeah, I, I think he's the second best running back on this team. Um, and I think by year's end, I mean you're going to be talking about feeling very comfortable about the the replacement for Trey Betson in the in the following season. Um, I I think Rodney catches the ball really well. He's got soft hands. He's a, he's an explosive north south runner. I talked about the Alex Atkins uh, uh, clinic talk that he did about counter. They want counter to be a north a north south run play. Um, I think they're going to want to establish a physical north south run game, and that's really where uh, Rodney Hill is at his best, getting his pad square and getting downhill. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I think like Kev said, he's going to be you know n- running back number two, but in a Mike Norvell offense, that's running back number one a lot of the time for a lot of people. So. He's going to get a lot of touches. He's going to get a lot of reps. I, I think he's going to find some opportunities in screen game and, and catching the football out of the backfield. He's going to make enough of an impact, in my opinion, and as you put it, impact equals importance, um, for me to justify ranking him in your in the top 40, you know, and, and in the upper tier of it. Because, you know, look at the guys behind him. Kentron, we're talking about him being, you know, maybe the number three at, at, at nine but we're mm-hmm. confident that he's going to play a role and he's an ascending player. You know, Josh Farmer, maybe your fourth or fifth defensive tackle, Marcus and Douglas, your third running, or your third tight end DJ London, your third, your third linebacker and your full and your uh, goal line fullback. I just think it makes sense to have Rodney Hill kind of slot in here because I do think he's got, he's, he's ascending. He's got the skill set and the talent to fit in well in this backfield behind Trey Benson. Um, and the opportunities are just going to be there. And when we think about the depth chart at running back, like I, I think you guys are a little crazy with the Trey Benson uh, shade here, but but we'll get into that later. I hope I'm here for that episode. Well, I'm, really not try- I'm not trying to shade Trey. Um, I, I don't. No, I, that's not fair for me to say it that way. You, you, without you guys have him in yeah, the teens. We don't want to give it away. Yeah. You guys have him in the teens. We'll leave it at that. There's not a huge discrepancy between where you have Rodney Hill and Trey Benson. I think that there's a tier difference, uh, maybe a, a multi-level tier difference because of what Trey Benson can still become. And I really like Rodney Hill. Uh, but, but the reason why I don't have Rodney ranked super high is because I also really like CJ Campbell and Kazai Holmes. So like wins above replacement. Like I, I think any kind of running back is going to do fairly well in this, this system. Um, and that's not to mention Lawrence to Philly, who like is really in a role of his own. Like he's not a traditional running back, mm-hmm. but, but we know Mike Rebell loves him. He's got a soft spot for Toa Philly. Loves throwing wheel routes to toe wheelie. Like, that's going to happen. I think it's fair to say, though, the tiers of this running back room are Trey Benson, mm-hmm. Rodney Hill, and then 
Yeah. I don't want to put Tolfili in here because he is a, in his own little world. And, and I mean, I didn't even, I didn't even put him in my top 40. Um, but you know, maybe there's an argument there. We will get into that at some point, but, <laughs> and then CJ Campbell and, uh, um, sugar. Cause I, Holmes. Yeah, yeah, cause yeah. I Holmes. Uh, as far as Benson goes. And again, we're going to get to it later and I don't want to go get in the weeds here and give a lot of stuff away. I just couldn't justify ranking him as high because when I started looking at him, it wasn't best player. It was just most important. And I, the running game, I think they can plug any guy, anybody in there in the running game is going to be good. To, to and an that's extent. why that knocks the importance of that for me. Some, and yeah. so maybe, maybe I'm being counterintuitive when I say that Rodney Hills at 31, because like you're saying, cause I Holmes could go in there and do, the same job and CJ Campbell could go in there and essentially do the same job because of how plug and play they've made this run game. Connor culture. Uh, Benson, <laughs> I guess is just different though than anything else you have to. And I think that that's why, but Hey, we're getting way ahead of ourselves. We're in yeah, multiple episodes it. ahead of ourselves here. I had to pull um, Chris knee, but yes, thank you for skipping the head. Um, <laughs> no, this is, listen, this has been fun to, to start off the list. Uh, quality players, known commodities, not making the list. Very uh, high end, high upside type of players not making the list. Uh, known commodities in the 30s. I mean, the roster is getting better. And I think that's the early takeaway here. Mm-hmm. And, and to me, in putting together my list, uh, my own one, like the tier system is about to get like even more uh, expansive. Like we've gone through some that were slim pickings to an extent towards the end. I shouldn't say slim pickings, but guys who were, who I was like, ah, scratching my head, do I put them here? Do I not? put him in does he make the list should he be ranked that we just went through the the last five or so of guys who like probably should be in this range and now it's about to start getting really fun with like legitimate like multi-year starters in the in the 20s like guys who would have been in the in the, in the yeah i agree year I, I think we're getting ready to get into a, a section where it's a lot of fun to talk about the variance and where we have different guys ranked um like I, I've said a couple times, like I feel like this was an area where we were all going to kind of be outside of my ranking of 13 for <laughs> Ryan Fitzgerald. We were all going to kind of be in a similar boat in a similar ballpark uh, with, with guys. But I think, you know, you mentioned tiers. I, I texted that in the group chat earlier today. Like maybe a fun way of changing this up in the future is to talk about doing it in tier levels. Like mm-hmm. I tried to do tiers with guys as I was going through and I also tried to Inter, you know, inject my bias of what I look for in different positions and in building a football team. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm excited to hear some of the debate and some of the arguments where, where we feel like justifying our rankings for guys moving forward. Let, let's make a promise to when we get to the end of this list here in late June uh, and make it through the, the most doggish days of, of the dog days of summer, uh, we'll do something with tears where we actually kind of look yeah. at like, where we where we had guys and see how that compares because so that might be a little bit more favorable of like things not yeah. being as extreme. And I think honestly, having all these conversations and really getting to bear it out with other people will probably probably make these rankings even better if we if mm-hmm. we were to do some tiers later on. Yeah, right, well, let's let's tear it up. <laughs> okay, we'll end on that note for Coach for Coach JB for Kev Little. I'm Brendan Sinone. This has been the Knowles 247 YouTube channel. This has been on the bench. Shout out Chattanooga whiskey, guys. Ooh, Listen. Drink uh, it up. Smell it. Smell blah, it. Blah, 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 blah.
it's legitimate. The founders Chattanooga whiskey is legitimately chocolate in a bottle. So go get yourself some. All right, guys. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you next week. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.